This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. A dream is just a great idea that doesn't have a website yet. And as a photographer, you've got to have a website. And you only get one chance to impress that potential customer. You really need to make sure you take advantage of it. Making a reality with Squarespace makes it so easy to turn your idea into a very unique and beautiful website. You can showcase your work, you can blog or publish content. You can even sell products and services of all kinds in just a few clicks. With 24 by seven award-winning customer support, you can customize everything from look and feel to settings and products using beautiful templates created by world-class designers. It really makes it super easy and even better, it makes it's something you don't have to install or patch or upgrade ever. You sign up and you're done and you're on your way to creating yourself a beautiful website that's gonna represent your work in a way that's gonna get you those clients. Head over to squarespace.com slash improve for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code improve to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Welcome to Photo Taco, the only show with photography tips you can learn in the time it takes to eat a taco, or perhaps a burrito. Photo Taco! Hey everybody, welcome into another episode of Photo Taco on the Master Photography Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jeff Harmon. Thanks so much for spending a few minutes of your day with me. If you haven't already subscribed to the Photo Taco feed, and unless you're driving, Pause the show right now and go do that. You on the exercise bike in the gym, you need to pause, please, and go subscribe to the Photo Taco podcast. It won't be long and we won't be including Photo Taco in the main feed of the Master Photography podcast. So if you want to continue getting Photo Taco episodes, you're going to need to subscribe. And to encourage you, I have a subscription contest. I'm going to remind everybody about this at the beginning of the episodes um, through the duration of the contest. So if you've already heard this and you don't need to hear about it. You can go ahead and skip forward a little bit. Won't hurt my feelings at all. But for everyone else who may not have heard, the prize is a 30-minute Skype session with me where I will post-process as many of your photos the photos from the winner as I can get to in those 30 minutes. During that time, you'll be able to talk to me and to ask questions. I'm going to do my best to explain how it is that I'm working on your photo, why I'm changing the slider, why I'm adding a filter, why I'm using the adjustment brush, whatever tools or things I'm going to be doing. And even if I decide I need to go into Photoshop to do something that I need in there, I'll explain why and what it is I'm doing. And it's a great way to be able to kind of level up your post-processing skills. To enter the contest, you have to subscribe to the Photo Taco Podcast on whatever your favorite podcatcher is, your podcatcher of choice. You have to take a screenshot on your phone that shows your podcatcher as having you be subscribed to the show. And then you email that screenshot to phototacopodcast at gmail.com. You can enter starting May 14th, 2018, and the contest goes through 11 p.m. Mountain on July 6th, 2018. Only one entry per subscription to the podcast. So please don't send me multiple screenshots of you being subscribed to the podcast or I will have to disqualify you. You can, however, get two more entries for a total of three if you will also get a friend to subscribe to the show and have that friend mention you in their email and when they are sending their proof that they subscribed to the podcast. So the winner will be announced on July 9th in the Photo Taco episode released on July 9th. Don't worry if you're driving and you couldn't write any of that down, you can find the instructions on how to enter at the new home of the podcast over at phototacopodcast.com slash contest. That's, so that's phototacopodcast.com slash contest. All right, let's get into today's topic. And it is on something that I think a lot of you have probably heard of. Um, even if you've been listening to the show for a while, we've I've kind of said it in passing and, and mentioned it, but I decided in this episode today, I wanted to dive into it. And that is the topic of what is XMP? So let's start at the beginning, um, what M XMP is. Like so many things in technology, XMP is an acronym and it stands for Extensible Metadata Platform, a big scary term for something that's really helpful and useful. And uh, like a lot of other things in technology too, a lot of people get put off or don't really investigate or try to understand things because it sounds so scary and um, I'm hoping to 
kind of make that easier. So for some of you that are listening now, this may be your very first real super serious introduction into XMP, but XMP files, they're far from new. XMP was initially created by Adobe back in 2001. So almost 20 years ago, a little less than that, as I record this episode here in 2018. And it was released as part of the Adobe Acrobat 5.0 software product. The intention and the hope from Adobe at the time was that the world would use XMP as a standard way for uh, different companies that are creating software to easily share something called metadata information. I'm going to go over that in a minute. I'll define for you what metadata is. But they wanted to, Adobe wanted that to be able to be shared between especially software makers, people who were building and creating software programs to work on photos and digital media. They wanted to have a way that you could kind of transfer this metadata information that you might add or create inside of those editors like Lightroom and uh, and get it to transfer between programs. So it was a really good idea. They tried to release uh, XMP as open source standard, but they did it under something that at the time, back in 2001, they called the Adobe open source license. And that's not the same licensing that most other open source software has been licensed under for a long time. That's something called uh, GNU, GNU, General Public License. That's kind of the, the go-to default, the thing that makes everyone feel comfortable that they can use that as open source software uh, when it's licensed that way or open source definitions when it's licensed that way. And that kind of hurt adoption of XMP initially until in 2012, Adobe worked with a lot of partners and they kind of standardized it and they released it um, under an ISO standard, an international standard. And it's ISO 16684-1, which you don't need to worry about. You just need to know that it was released under an ISO. And uh, that put all the other companies at ease. And uh, so that was back in 2012. And today there are over 20 international partners who support and very actively use XMP in their software, essentially the same way that Adobe does in Lightroom, which makes it a, a really big deal. It means that we have a really good way to be able to share this metadata information between programs, and it's in a supported way. I will put a link in the show notes to Adobe's XMP page. They have a, a few pages on their uh, adobe.com that kind of explain a little bit more about the standard if you want. If you're interested in going deeper, most of you probably won't care, but the link will be there in the show notes if you want it. Okay, so let's go back to this whole concept then of what is metadata? Why, as photographers, would we even care? <laughs> Why would Adobe work so hard to make it so that it's possible to share this metadata with other software? So generically, metadata is not a term that Adobe came up with. It's not a term specific to photography or Lightroom. It's, it's a fancy word often used in technology and multiple kinds of technology too, where there's additional information about the creation or production of something digital, which it doesn't help a lot. I understand when I say it that way. A lot of people have said in technology world, it's the data about the data, which I know doesn't help you either. But um, let me give you some examples of metadata. So like the date and time a digital file is created, that's metadata. It's not data that's the inside the actual file. And if you, even if you were to not have that, or you wouldn't lose whatever data that file has in it. But it's important, or a lot of people need to know kind of the date and time that a file was created, and that's data about the data. The last date that the file was opened or edited, that would be another example of metadata. Or let's say uh, the full name of the author who created the file. So that can also be metadata, even though that might be something inside, say, a document. Uh, they, there's a, a ways often that they will write that out to the metadata and then it's easily easy to uh, search by it and programs are created to kind of look at metadata and you're, you're actually very used to seeing this. Um, when you click on any kind of digital file on your computer, whether you're in like finder on Mac or windows Explorer on windows, you're used to seeing this metadata. You see data about these files all the time. Um, and in the case of the photos, you have some, some metadata that's there. 
All photos that you take have metadata put in there by your camera. You, of course, have the date and time the photo was taken. You're used to seeing that. You're also used to seeing like the dimensions of the photo, how many pixels high and wide that photo has. Uh, the camera maker usually puts like the maker of the camera in there, the model of the camera in there. And most of your settings too end up as metadata that are part of your photos, like your shutter speed and your aperture and your ISO settings. And I'm sure you've seen that in Lightroom. There's a way if you hit the I key, for information when you're in like the develop module, then you can um, cycle through and you can see kind of metadata things that are kind of built into the file. Uh, it's not something that you're adding through Lightroom. Your camera did this, but that's also metadata. And uh, your, your camera puts it in there as it writes the file out to the memory card. So when you're, when you're pushing the shutter button and it's capturing the data from the sensor, and whether it's JPEG or RAW, your camera has to now convert that image data out to digital file on your memory card. And in the process of doing it, it includes in there all of this metadata as it writes that file. In the case of JPEGs, it's a standard format. They, the, there's a, a group of people that a long time ago defined kind of what a JPEG file has to look like. And they defined in there, well, there's this section in JPEG where we're going to put metadata about the photo or about the image. And so your camera, if you are shooting JPEG, will write that metadata out to that part of the, the JPEG file in a standard way. And everyone's kind of agreed that's how it's going to look. And it's going to be right there inside that file. It is also that way for raw files. Unfortunately, though, we've dis we can't agree on how that's going to work for raw files. So every camera maker, and even from model to model, they they it's up to the camera maker. They may decide that they're going to change the de the way that those raw files are written to the memory card. So it becomes a little bit harder thing for uh, for programs to be able to truly get the metadata out. I think they've roughly standardized some of the core features like where to look for the settings of, of the of the shot or the date time that this, the shot was taken. That's that's kind of uh, not touched because you, you want software like Finder on Mac or Explorer on Windows to be able to find that information pretty easily. And so, so they kind of stuck pretty consistent with that. But all of that's up for negotiation and it's totally up to the camera maker and that makes it a little harder for editors like Adobe's Lightroom. They have to keep updating the software as camera makers put out new raw files. And uh, so when a new camera comes out, there's the chance that they've made changes and at the very least they've made changes on kind of what camera produced that raw file and they have some work to do. Adobe has some work to do. They've got to make sure that their raw uh, interpreter, what's looking at the raw file and making sense of it is compatible with the new version of the camera. That's why we all have to wait for updates to come from Adobe. Anyway, metadata ends up in there as well in the raw files. So Lightroom will pull that metadata in as you import it in the catalog, as will other software programs. They'll, they'll be able to read that metadata and be able to get that out. But let's put some of this in terms of Lightroom just to make it a little easier, further easier. So in multiple Photo Taco episodes, I've talked about the Lightroom catalog. It's a database where Lightroom records every step you make as you process your photos in Lightroom. You can also use Lightroom to add more metadata about your photos. So Lightroom reads in all of that metadata information your camera puts in there, we already talked about. But as you use Lightroom, you can also add more metadata to the photo. You can add ratings, you can add keywords, you can add GPS location information, you can add face detection information, and other things. There's way a lot of the things that you're doing as you are working on your photos, uh, you can manually be putting in metadata information that's only going to, by default, end up in the Lightroom catalog. It doesn't end up anywhere else. You will have noticed that uh, if you ever edited a photo in Lightroom and then you closed it and brought in like the same JPEG or RAW that you just edited into some other editor, it doesn't matter which one, it could even be a similar like Bridge or Photoshop, Adobe products, uh, or PaintShop Pro or GIMP or on one or whatever editor you want to shoot, choose. If you just bring in that original photo, even though you just got done editing it in Lightroom, 
none of your edits are going to show up if you just bring in that raw file. Now, I'm not talking about round tripping from Lightroom to Photoshop. They're doing some extra work there to make Photoshop kind of understand and know the changes that you've made. But if you just loaded the original raw file or original JPEG file that was your photo into, into um, Photoshop, then you won't see any of your edits that are there. And that's because by default, Lightroom is only recording the post-processing that you're doing inside their the catalog and only Lightroom is allowed to see that catalog. There might be software that tries to dig into the catalog and pull some stuff out. There may be a way to try to, to convert from Lightroom to another editor, for example. But the only truly supported way to get that, and we're going to talk about in a second, is XMP XMP uh, data. So it's one of the pros about XMP and why you'd want to turn it on. But let's let's go a little bit more into XMP. So XMP files or XMP data, it's kind of like little mini catalogs. So I just talked about that all the stuff you're doing on Lightroom, all the slider changes you're making, all the adjustment brush you might use, the radial filters, uh, whatever stuff you're doing, HSL panel, all the things that you might do to your photo in the develop module those are only going to end up in the catalog by default. They won't be seen by anything else. And so it can be, <laughs> that could be a real challenge, especially if you wanted to change programs that you want to do. Um, now, so Adobe does have this XMP as a way to get those changes, or at least most of those changes, to be written outside of the catalog. Um, in the in file types like JPEG, TIFF, PSD, and DNG, to name a few, um, those all support the metadata being written directly to the files in a very standard way. Kind of like they have a, a, the definition of a JPEG. It sort of has a label inside of the file definition that says XMP here. <laughs> it would be a simplified way to think of it. And so when if you configure Lightroom, and I'm going to tell you how to do it towards the end of the show, but if you configure Lightroom to do write out this XMP data, uh, as you are changing your sliders around at some point along the way in your workflow, if you have it turned on automatically, it's going to write all of those changes, not only to the catalog, which is doing it's doing constantly, but it's also going to write those changes out to the JPEG, TIFF, PSD, or DNG file. Just put it inside the same file. It's going to kind of rewrite your JPEG, your TIFF, your PSD, or your DNG file and put all of the changes that are out there. Um, the one place where it won't do it that way, again, by default, even if you turn on XMP writing, uh, will be with raw files because there's, I, I talked about earlier, the vendors, the makers of cameras, they are not super consistent and, and they're, it's their thing. So they're fully, it's not like it's a problem or, or they're setting out to cause issues. It's just that they want the flexibility to be able to have control over and define what that raw file is all the time. It's their raw file, it's their raw data, and they get to pick and, and will at any moment change lots of things about it. So if, if Lightroom or anybody else wanted to, besides the camera maker, wanted to write back to the raw file, even though there might be a spot for the metadata, there might be a spot where this XMP data could go, it just has caused more problems than it's worked. And it's, it's really been, it's such an issue that everyone's kind of just agreed. I mean, not formally documented anywhere, but there's this just agreement that we're not going to write this XMP data into your raw file. We're going to write it to a file next to it. We're going to call it the same name. We're going to, so if, if it was image one, two, three, four was the name of your raw file dot, whatever the extension is in the Canon in case of Canon, it's mostly CR2 um, or NEF for Nikon, then you, it's going to be named IMG one, two, three, four. I can't remember what I said it was dot XMP. It's going to have this XMP extension. They're little itty bitty files. They're not very big. Usually, even if you made tons and tons of changes, if you've gone and, and you've monkeyed with the sliders over and over and over, um, all it's going to put in that file is kind of the end spot, the end game where you finished in editing your photos. So it's going to write down the recipe of how those sliders were changed, what you did in the develop module out to that XMP file, but only kind of the end state of where it's going to be. So that means there's there's some data that's not going to make it out there. That's why they're very small and why I call them mini catalogs. It's not going to have all your history. We're going to talk about what doesn't go out to XMP because there are some things in Lightroom that does not make it out to XMP data. 
but that's roughly kind of how it works. And so I'm hoping that this is all kind of making sense. Um, and most of you are probably thinking, well, well, why don't I want this on? Why, why doesn't Adobe turn this on by default? It sounds really good at this point, doesn't it? Uh, but Adobe's decided that writing XMP data outside of the catalog is disabled by default. You have to manually go into the settings of Lightroom to turn this on if you want it. And so why wouldn't we all want to have this XMP data written out there? It makes it more accessible to other software. There's other pros I'm gonna go through in a second. Isn't this a really good way to back up your edits too? Like now I don't have to worry that only my edits are in the catalog and if my catalog gets corrupted or deleted or I have a problem, I lose all my edits for all my photos. Isn't this a good way to make it so that I can back that up? And all of that's true. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address that question right after thanking the sponsor for this episode, which is Squarespace. Support for this episode comes from Squarespace. Think it, dream it, make it with Squarespace. With beautiful templates created by world-class designers, Squarespace really does make it super easy to turn your idea into a new and unique website. If you haven't yet taken on building yourself a website for a photographer, it's essential. You're not going to be able to get very far today. You're not going to be able to get the clients you need if you don't have a website. And it needs to be something that will represent you as an artist, as a photographer. You're only going to get one shot at being able to have a client be impressed with you before they move on. And they, they're going to judge it in the first few seconds of seeing your site. So it won't really matter how personable you try to make the words on your site be. If your images and the look of your site is not something that's modern and appealing, it's just not going to work. And it needs to work well on mobile. And Squarespace works great on mobile. You can showcase your work. You can blog or publish content. You can announce a special project or even sell products and services all the things that you need in just a few clicks. That's the beautiful part about Squarespace is it makes it really easy to be able to create a beautiful website that's going to represent you to your clients. There's never anything to install or patch or upgrade either. It's a beautiful, beautiful system. Um, if you do have questions, Squarespace has an award-winning 24 by 7 customer support and they are there to help. Keep dreaming but make it a reality with a website from Squarespace. I want you to head over to squarespace.com improve for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code improve to save 10% off of your purchase of a website or a domain. That's squarespace.com improve and offer code improve when you check out. Okay, so XMP, it sounds truly awesome, right? It sounds really, really good. So are there downsides? Why would Adobe have this default configuration turning this really cool sounding feature off? And so now the conspiracy theorists, the people, a lot, and, and there's good reason for it. A lot would argue, well, this is Adobe trying to being anti-competitive. They don't want people, photographers, to figure out that it's not that hard to get their data out of Lightroom and bring it into um, other software programs, whatever it might be. It's, it's going to prevent people from switching. And while I'm not at all confident that Adobe is always making decisions based on what is best for the customer, in this one case, I don't think that's why they've disabled this feature. And I'm not trying to apologize for Adobe, but I just, I think that there are lots of other reasons to have this disabled and I'm, I want to go through them here. Um, so let's go with the pros first. Let's, let's talk about first, what are the good things about turning on XMP? All right. So the first one is the obvious one, the one that we've already talked about a little bit, and that's sharing this metadata with other software or sharing your edits. Um, Cause that's, that's even more than just metadata. It is recipes for how to process the photos and get the look that you wanted. Um, and yeah, I could see how people would say, well, this is very anti-competitive. This is not Adobe looking out for the customer. This should be on by default so that at any point, if I wanted to, I would easily have the option to go and move my photos, my entire library, all the photos that are in my catalog over to another program and get all my edits. 
And it's true. That's kind of a portion of the reason of why this is there. They, they've agreed this consortium a long time ago, in 2012, they agreed on a standard format to make accomplish that very thing. So yes, there's that massive, massive benefit if you want to be able to have that flexibility to have this there. And um, if, you, if you're interested, it's also a way that you can use this to um, use Lightroom on two different computers. I did a photo taco episode on that. It's called Lightroom on two computers. And I will uh, put a link in the show notes to it if you want to do that. But that is also uh, another good reason to use this sharing of metadata. An example of that, just briefly, would be if you use a laptop while you're out on the road and you have a catalog on the laptop and you're importing the photos into that catalog while you're out on the road and you're doing some minor edits, maybe not full edits, but just enough maybe to share on social media, maybe uh, get something back to a client really quickly so they can get some previews of what the edits are gonna look like. And then when you come home, your, your plan is to move those photos over to uh, a master catalog that's on your desktop where you do most of your work, where you have a nice big monitor and your your mouse or tablet to work with. And you're just going to be able to do a, a better, more detailed job on truly getting to the final edits rather than on that little tiny Mac uh, or uh, mobile desktop screen, mobile laptop screen. Um, one way, um, and I talk about this in detail in the podcast, other ways to do that in that Lightroom on two computers episode of Photo Taco. But one way would be these XMP files because most of the edits that you do end up being written right, right there. And if you shoot raw, it's just a file right next to it. And then it's as simple as copying the original photo, your raw file, and this little tiny XMP file that's named exactly the same as your, your photo and copying those over to your desktop computer. That's all it takes. And now, boom, you're done. And you can load those up and Lightroom is going to recognize the XMP files and it's going to apply those and it's going to look like you just transferred all your edits because mostly it did. There are some caveats. There's some things that don't end up in there. I'm going to go through those in detail in just a second. But that's a, a good reason to use these. That's a very big pro. Not only can you change between different software to something that maybe Adobe doesn't produce, but you can even use this work use case where you're going to transfer stuff from your mobile to your desktop. It's a good way to do that. All right. So that's a very big, big pro. Another big pro, another really good reason that we've alluded to already in the episode is backup. So we just, I just barely did an episode of Photo Taco um, called The Ultimate Guide to Backup for Photographers. And it had to do more with backing up your actual photos and not really what is happening in Lightroom. Um, which I guess makes it not too ultimate. Maybe, maybe I should add that as part of it. So you can check that out. Ultimate guide for backup for photographers. And I'll put a link in the show notes, but it's a photo taco episode. I just barely did. There's also, uh, it helps with online backup and online backup is also something I have done back in 2017. I did one called online backup photo taco episode. I'll put a link in the show notes there too. If you want some, want to hear about that and how online backup can, can go. But Really what I'm, I'm talking about in this case for backup is backing up all those edits that you've done. You spent so much time calling your photos, tagging them, rating them, uh, maybe labeling them with keywords and then editing them. And all of that data is by default only going to your catalog. It's not going anywhere else. And yes, Adobe has done a pretty good job of making it pretty easy to back up your catalog that you can make it so that it, it asks you on every exit. And I talk about this in um, that, uh, oh, maybe I don't need either of those episodes, but you can configure Lightroom. And I'm not going to go through it in this, in this episode because it's not really the focus of it, but you can configure it to ask you every time you exit Lightroom if you want to back up. And then what it does is it extracts out of that database all of the stuff that you've done, or actually it just compresses the database down and creates a copy of it and puts it wherever you define the backup's going to go. And that's great, but we've had actually an issue, and I talked about this a few episodes ago, in um, since Adobe 6 dot something, they're not really sure when it got introduced, uh, there's been some issues with backup, backup of the catalog where it hasn't actually worked correctly. In a lot of cases, the backups were corrupted and not working right. And so if you were depending on those for your backup and you had something terrible happen to your catalog and then you went to the backups and they didn't work, wow, you just lost everything, all those edits. And so XMP is a really good way, a supported way from Adobe in Lightroom 
to have all of those edits or almost all those edits. There are exceptions. I'm going to go to in on your on your hard drive and then just your normal photo backup whatever you're doing if you followed my guide that i gave in the ultimate guide to backup for photographers if you do the three two one backup solution that i talked about in there then you're going to have all of your edits backed up too in a very supportable really easy way so also a massive pro here where you get to back up your edits if you have xmp data if you have that turned on in lightroom all right and the last one um, well, I actually already talked about what my last one was, and that's transferring edits between catalogs. So bringing them over from your your laptop to your desktop. Okay, so those are those are the two biggest pros, the biggest reason. They're huge. Those are not little things. Those are massive, massive protections. Things to make so you don't lose all of your valuable work, or make it so that you can move your work to other programs. Whatever you might want to do, you might decide one program does maybe noise better, or you like how it handles noise than than Lightroom. And this would be a way to be able to make sure you have good compatibility between them. Like you don't have to be able to have a plugin in Lightroom to make it work. You can be able to have the XMP data written out and then take it over to the other program, and hopefully it will be XMP compatible. Most of them are and it will recognize your edits and, and be able to you'll be able to see your photo. It's not a guarantee that all of it will come, by the way. That's kind of a con. Lightroom may be interpreting the data about this stuff just slightly differently enough or their algorithms, maybe for noise, for example, might be just slightly different enough that even though you said I set the noise values to a certain slider value, uh, that the other software might not interpret it exactly the same way. So you're not guaranteed to have exactly all of your settings uh, to come up exactly the same way in all the software, but definitely close enough that it might only take a little bit minor tweaking to do it. And, and hey, if you're bringing up your photo again and taking a fresh look, you're probably going to do some minor tweaking anyway. So that's a very minor thing, I think, in comparison to having at least the, the close representation of your edits in there so that you don't lose it on thousands and thousands of photos in particular. All right. Big, big pros, big reasons to do it. Now let's go over the cons. You increase, the first one is that to me, I worry about this a lot. You increase your chances of corrupting files as this XMP data gets written to them. So I mentioned JPEG, TIFF, PSD, and DNG. Those are all file formats that directly support XMP data being written to them. It's part of the standard, part of the definition of that file format. There's a, there's a section in there, I talked about that saying like XMP data goes here. And because of that, it's really easy for software, not only Lightroom, but any software to be able to write XMP data directly into the file. You don't have to have that little tiny sidecar file next to it. That .xmp file doesn't need to be there. And so by default, if you turn on XMP, then it's going to write, Lightroom is going to put that XMP data right in the file. That means that kind of has to rewrite the file. So it's going to kind of read in the file. It's going to in your RAM of the computer. And this is super technical. So if you don't get all of this, that's fine. Uh, but it's going to kind of decide how it needs to write the file. And then it's going to actually put it back out to your hard drive. You're going to rewrite the file to the hard drive in most cases. Some cases it might be able to just touch this little section that's for XMP. But any, regardless, it's touching your file. It's touching your original file, whatever that, if it's JPEG, TIFF, PSD, or DNG. And every time something touches that file, at least writing it, you have a chance that something bad's going to happen. So the more you write that file, the more chance something bad's going to happen. And that just makes me super nervous. I don't want anything touching my files, my original photos. I want to write them to the hard drive once and I want them to be left alone. <laughs> I'm, it may be that I'm super, super paranoid, but boy, has it served me well so far. I haven't yet really lost any meaningful data and uh, I've been doing it for a while. So uh, it seems to be working for me. It may be so rare. It's still, even though it does increase your chances, the level that it increased may still ultimately turn out to be so rare, it's not a big deal. Our technology is improving all the time, and it, it may turn out to be so rare that I'm actually definitely worrying too much, but boy, I worry about it. So I list it as a con, but you're going to have to decide for yourself between the pros and cons, what you actually worry about, how you actually feel about it, 
and where you're going to end up with XMP data. You do need to make a decision and you, I'm going to encourage you to make it once. I'll explain why. All right. Next con. Another one is that it only applies in the case where you don't have raw files. Um, and that is that the automated backup solution that you might be using, if you are truly doing the three, two, one backup solution, like I outlined in that ultimate guide to backup for photographers, then, and, and you use kind of the default configuration of doing XMP writing in Lightroom. If you tell Lightroom to turn it on, uh, then it's going to do it in a default way. It's going to write to those files and now you've changed those files. So your original file, if it's not raw, JPEG, TIFF, PSD, DNG, they're going to, your backup solution is now going to say, oh, that file changed <laughs> and it's different now. I got to back up the whole thing. And this could be really hard, especially on those, some of those bigger TIFF or PSD files. And if you used them a lot and then like, say, here's the use case. Say you went into, um, you, you round tripped from Lightroom to Photoshop and you stitched together a panorama. Maybe let's even make it bigger. You stitched together an HDR panorama. So you took multiple, you bracketed shots in a panoramic sequence, and then you glue them together in Photoshop. You do the HDR and the panorama glue. And when you're done, you end up with a really large, like really large, uh, you know, combined photo. And then you do some stuff in, in Photoshop to it. And then you take it back to Lightroom because maybe you like some of the uh, develop module stuff in Lightroom just a little better than you do in um, Photoshop. And you do some minor edits there to your TIFF file or PSD. But let's say it's a TIFF. And then you're going to export it. And that's, that's all good. But now when you make those changes in Lightroom to that massive TIFF, it's going to go have to touch that TIFF. And now that TIFF, if it got backed up, uh, is going to have to also back it up again. So it's, it's kind of you increase the likelihood that you're going to have to re-back up what is almost exactly the same file, even though you maybe only wrote a couple of little bytes to the file, like really minor update to the file. Now the, your, your automatic backup is going to think it has to back that file up again. So it could trigger that might not be a big deal to you. That one I'm not too worried about myself either, but that is a con, something to be aware of. All right, another one is the limited data or the limited edits, things that make it out to the XMP format because not everything you do in Lightroom ends up in XMP. There's a few things here, so let me go through them of what they are. This is the stuff that does not make it out to XMP data. So it will only be in Lightroom catalog and you can't do anything about it. That is the only place it will ever exist right now anyway. Uh, mostly due to the format of XMP, by the way. That was, I mean, it was thought of in 2001. They kind of revamped it a bit in 2012, but here we are in 2018. Uh, Lightroom is changing, maybe not fast enough for, for everyone listening, but it is changing and the format doesn't really allow for some of these things. So here's what does not end up in XMP data. First one is flags. So your pick flag or reject flag, that will not end up in XMP data, which if you use those, um, it can be a big deal. Like the culling that you've done, that's a lot of work that you did to go through maybe thousands of photos from a shoot, depending on the nature of the shoot. And if you use the uh, reject flag to mark the ones that you don't like and the pick flag to mark the ones that you wanted to edit, then you that's stuff that won't end up in XMP. It won't really end up in anywhere else. And why I recommend, well, even though I, I have used them, they're, they're helpful in some situations. They're very helpful, especially as you are uh, calling with a client. Like if they're sitting right there in front of you, they understand when you hit the X that it goes gray and it's like the display of it, the way it looks and is presented is really, really helpful to working with clients like that. So I understand why you, you would want to use them. It's really simplified. There's only an option of pick or reject. So it's P or X. P for pick, X for, for reject. Uh, and if you need to like take it back to a neutral state, the U for unflag is there. But uh, so it's, it's a simple way to do it. It has a very appealing UI. It just, it, there's no way for it to end up in XMP data or anywhere else outside of Lightroom. So that's, that's a con. Um, you don't want, if that's an important thing to you, you really got to consider about how you're going to do XMP or not. Um, I do go over by a way, um, Calling Like a Pro is a Photo Taco episode. If you're interested in kind of learning how I recommend that you should call so that you make it more transportable, I recommend using the star system. It's very transportable. That is something 
something that everybody recognizes and understands. Even like Windows Explorer and Finder on Mac, they have usually the star ratings there too. And it's going to end up uh, being seen even at that level. So it's a really good way to do it. And I go through that a lot of detail in an episode called Calling Like a Pro. And I will put a link in the show notes. Okay. So the first one that doesn't end up in XMP data is the flags. The next one is virtual copies. And so if, I don't know if how many of you have used virtual copies, if you regularly do that, I tend to do it quite a bit. I really kind of like that. I like being able to say, well, I like where this is at. I want to try a different thing. Or maybe the client has asked, I like this, but I also want it in a sepia tone, or maybe can you crop it this way or something like that. For whatever reason, I, there's there ends up to being multiple use cases where I end up wanting to process the image a couple of different ways. And virtual copies is a good way to be able to do that. Um, it's very simple. And, and yes, there's things like history or snapshotting that Lightroom also supports where you can accomplish similar things, but it's different. And I really prefer virtual copies to most of those things. In fact, I go through that in a Photo Taco episode as well. I know I'm pimping out Photo Taco a lot right now, but it's, there's lots of episodes. I want to make sure you're all aware. So there's one called Lightroom Virtual Copies where I go through and I explain virtual copies, I explain the difference between that snapshotting history and, and all of the, the things that pertain to it. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes too. Again, that's Lightroom virtual copies is a photo taco episode, which by the way, you can get to the, you can search for stuff like this by going to phototacopodcast.com. There's a search bar there on the website. And if you just put in some of these terms, like if you did virtual copies as a term, it'll it'll search and pop up with all of the articles. I have detailed show notes enough that it can find the episodes where I talk about these things and you can go and really find a lot of topics, a lot of episodes on various topics. All right. So virtual copies, this is the problem is XMP does not allow the concept of a virtual copy of, of another edit of the same photo with different settings. And so it can't be written to XMP. It just nothing you do. Once you create the virtual copy in your mind, you got to be thinking everything I do here will never go anywhere else besides be here in the Lightroom catalog. It's the only spot it's going to be ever. There's no support for getting that outside of Lightroom in any fashion other than exporting the final image. But your your settings, your edits, your ratings, whatever you do with that virtual copy, it's only going to be in the Lightroom catalog. All right, next one. And this was probably a lesser one for most people, but collection membership. I know this is a feature that a lot of photographers just don't really use unless you're forced to, like in the case of wanting to sync your catalog or some of your photos out to Lightroom Mobile, you have to use a collection. I love collections. I use them constantly. I have all of my stuff into collections, especially as I work with clients to do the calling. I put, I make sure to create a collection with the client's favorites in the collection. And, um, and then it's, I can sync it for mobile, but that's not really why I even did it. I, I started using collections before that was an option. I love the functionality. It's a feature I use constantly in Lightroom. I love collections. The definition of collections will only ever be in the Lightroom catalog. It does not end up in XMP data. There's no concept of, of collections or groupings or any of that inside of XMP. So I also did, if you're interested in learning more about how I do collections, the, yes, there's a photo taco episode for that. It's called collections. And, uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. So Lightroom Collections is the name of that episode. All right. So that's another con. If you use collections, not going to be an XMP data. Uh, There's only four left and I don't have photo taco episodes on these. So I (laughs) won't have to mention those. No develop history. Every step you make in Lightroom, every slider you move, uh, like the before and after values, every adjustment brush you make, everything, all the steps that you make in Lightroom. Lightroom is constantly recording all of those actions in the catalog, in the database. And you can recall them. You can go into the develop module. There's a history panel there and you can go and see every single move you've made as you've edited the photo. None of that ends up in XMP data. That would really change it from being mini catalogs, like I've talked about, to being really big catalogs. You'd have to store a lot of data there. And the XMP format just doesn't allow it anyway. So you don't have any history. You only get the final 
steps, the final settings of all the stuff that you've done that ends up in the XMP data. Um, stacking is not available. And this is a feature I honestly don't use that much, so it's not a big deal to me, but I don't do that many panoramas or situa shooting situations where this would be a, a big deal. But Lightroom supports a feature where you can select a, a, a lot of photos that are all super similar to one another, and you can stack them together so that in the user interface in Lightroom, it will now show whatever that group, however many you put in that group as like a single shot, a single photo. And you can go drill down into them temporarily if you want to get to a single one, but it's just kind of an organization thing that helps you to clean up how you see your shoots in Lightroom. That's stacking. Like I mentioned with collections, there's no concept of grouping or anything like that. Stacking will not make it out to XMP. The last two cons are really super minor to me, but uh, it's something Thing that doesn't get written to XMP, so I'm going to make sure I mention it. And that is um, in the develop module, there's a couple of things that Lightroom remembers for you that also will not get written to XMP. One is the panels. On the right-hand side, all the different panels, basic, HSL, tone curve, whatever all those panels are, um, you can turn those individual panels on or off. And that makes it so that the edits you may have done in the panel will either be applied or not. It's a good way to be able to kind of do before and after and be able to decide if you like it. And if you end up stick, uh, with a panel turned off because you don't like how the edits that you made in the panel affect the photo and you just end up with it being off and that's kind of where you leave it, Lightroom remembers that and Lightroom will use that when it exports the photo. But the fact that that panel is off doesn't get written to the XMP data while the data of what the edits were you made in the panel still will. So it, you could get slightly out of sync. I don't think it's a common use case, which is why I don't think this is a very big deal. But it's something to be aware of if that's kind of part of your workflow, if you're regularly turning panels off and maybe leaving them that way, if you're using XMP, you're going to want to make sure you clear out, like reset your panel if you turn it off and want to leave it that way or else XMP is going to write out the, the what you put in the panel. Um, kind of minor thing. Even more minor, <laughs> even more trivial, is that uh, the develop module will remember the zoom and pan positions. So if you zoomed in on a photo, um, even though you didn't crop the photo to whatever you zoomed into, but if you were zoomed in and you left and you kind of move on to another photo, when you come back, Lightroom remembers that you zoomed in or if you panned over, like if you're zoomed in and you wrote, you moved to it away from the center to an edge of the photo or something, it's going to remember that, which helps you as you're editing a photo. If you want to compare things and you want to switch between a photo to another and so on, it's a helpful feature as you're editing, but I don't think it's that big a deal. If, if, if you had another software program that you were going to go use, didn't know that you had that zoom level or pan in Lightroom, that's probably not that big a deal. So, but it is something that does not get written to XMP and is only inside the Lightroom catalog. All right, so those are the major cons, the stuff that's there. We talked about it increases the chance that you corrupt your photos, your original shots, um, that it's going to potentially trigger your backup to have to back up your big files over again. You're going to have to like copy them to your hard drive, the secondary hard drive, and copy it out to the cloud one more time than you already did if you go and make even a most minor of updates in Lightroom to that photo. Um, we talked about that there's excellent, there's a lot of things that don't get written out to XMP that you just can't get out of the catalog. It will only ever exist in the catalog. And the last one, and this is really the reason I personally choose not to do XMP. So I have chosen for myself, <laughs> I don't want XMP data to be written. And it's this last reason, this last con why I am electing to do it. Although a close second reason is that chance of corruption. Like I said, I'm petrified that I'm going to lose my photos and I'm doing everything I can to make sure I get, I keep my photos around. And this scares me that there, it's increasing the risk, increasing my chances that I'm going to lose my photos if I have XMP on. All right. So the last con, and this has been something I have seen a lot is performance. Everyone wants Lightroom to be faster. And yet here we are, we're going to tell Lightroom, not only do I want you to make sure you record every single step I make into the catalog, which takes a lot of time, but now I'm also going to ask you that periodically you're going to go write that, those same edits 
out to another file on the hard drive. You're like doubling the effort that Lightroom has to have. You're asking it to do twice the work. It may not be fully twice. There's probably some intelligence. I don't know how it's written. I haven't really tested it to see like how long does it take for your edits that you do on your sliders to end up in the XMP. It's probably a test I should do so that I can speak more authoritatively on it. But I assume that it doesn't write it every time you make a change to a slider. I assume it's going to be something more like when you're kind of stopped, when you when you get to be a little bit more idle in Lightroom, then it's going to at that point say, oh, they, they're not actively moving stuff. I have a second. I'm going to go write probably the changes both to the catalog and to the XMP data if you've configured it that way. But it, now it means you ha it has to do both. If you turn on XMP, it's got to do both. And I want Lightroom to be as focused on responding to me as I can get it. Every possible way I can tell Lightroom, pay attention to me, don't do anything else. I'm going to do. So that's why I turn off like address lookup. It's why I turn off face detection. It's why I turn off mobile cloud sync. When I'm editing, everything is disabled that Lightroom might be trying to do in the background. And I don't want XMP to be happening either. I want it to be focused on what I'm doing and nothing else. And I, it, it just has a massive impact on performance. So I've seen it be a problem on performance in the develop module in particular, but across the board, it's just, it can make things slow. And in one thing in particular, I'm going to talk about um, as we talk through the configuration, how you go set this up, there is a, a very big gotcha to be aware of. All right. So how, if, if you decided you like those pros, cause those are some mighty big pros. Those are some really beneficial things. If you've decided you like those pros, and that outweighs the cons, or you don't think those cons are actually that big a deal, Jeff's just being really stupid about this, <laughs> which is fair. That's fine. If that's how you feel about it, that is perfectly fine. I'm not saying you're stupid to turn it on. If you need to decide for yourself how you're going to weigh those pros and cons and decide if you're going to do it. I think XMP is an excellent thing for a lot of photographers. I just personally am going to choose to do to not have it on mainly for performance, but also because I don't want Lightroom touching my original files. All right. So how do you configure this? There's two ways to tell Lightroom to write XMP data. Um, the first way is the most common It's to tell it to do it automatically. So you set it and you forget it. And all along the way, as you're doing edits, Lightroom is going to be deciding, however it decides, it's going to write this data out. So it's an automated feature and it's going to constantly be doing this in the background. Again, something I personally do not want to turn on because of performance issues. So especially if you have a lot of photos, by the way, in your catalog. And so this, you really kind of need to consider if you want this to be turned on automatically. Um, after the fact, like later, because uh, if you turn it on and let's say you have a hundred thousand photos in your catalog, which is fine. I've done a lot of testing. I know tons of photographers will tell you not to do that, that you, the performance is going to go way down, but I've done a lot of testing on this and things have progressed far enough that really the number of photos in there, you, you're going to have a hard time having more uh, disk space than you can put uh, photos in your catalog. So you're going to run out of disk space first, what I'm going to say, <laughs> which even with like NAS and stuff, uh, it's, it's just, it's going to perform really, really well, even with tons and tons of photos in your catalog. That's not a super big problem. I've tested it thoroughly. I know others are going to tell you differently, but I've tested it thoroughly and it really doesn't make a big difference. So, um, but if you do happen to have a ton of photos in there and you haven't had XMP on, you're you've now asked Lightroom to go through every single one of those photos and write the XMP data out to the disk. And that's going to take a long time if you've got a lot of photos. So be prepared for that. If you're listening to this episode and you thought, man, why I really want to turn that on. Make sure you do it at a time when you can kind of turn it on and just walk away for a while, like days, if you need to. Maybe do it like a Friday and not touch it all weekend and let Lightroom try to get all that XMP data written out over the weekend before you try to use it again. Because it's going to be super slow. It's Well, I mean, it's going to try to prioritize other things, the things you do ahead of writing out these XMP data. But it'll be best if you just let it do it, if you have a lot of photos and you turn it on. So, and, and if you turn it on, I really recommend you just leave it on. Don't, don't want to go back and forth. Every time you turn it off 
and then back on, Lightroom's going to have to go through and write all the XMP for all of your photos again. It doesn't really track if it's written the XMP data out to for that file or not. So if it's been off, and even if it's been on in the past, it doesn't matter. If it's off and you go to turn it on, it's going to try to write the XMP data for every one of your photos out to the file system, out to your disk. So it's going to take a while. So if you got to decide. My recommendation is decide and either have it on or have it off and don't change your mind again. <laughs> don't go back and change it. Now, that's not to say if you turn it on and you find that the performance just is not doing well, that you might want to turn it back off. But just be, I guess, aware if you ever turn it back on again, you kind of reset on whether the XMP, XMP data has been written out to the files and, and it's going to do it all over again. So how do you actually do this? Here's what you do. To turn it on, you go to Lightroom Catalog in Mac and edit catalog settings. Sorry, it's Lightroom catalog settings. So the Lightroom menu on Mac catalog settings and the edit menu on Windows then catalog settings. I wish that we could have the same term on both Mac and Windows so we didn't have to make a different, but it's it's not the same. Probably never will be. It's just different philosophies between those two platforms. Anyway, uh, Lightroom catalog settings on Mac, edit catalog settings on Windows, and then you go to the metadata tab and you just click the little checkbox there that says automatically write changes to XMP. And now Lightroom is going to automatically in the background all the time as you're making edits, it's going to write out the XMP, file, XMP data and just be there constantly for you, which might be a very good thing for a lot of you listening. That might be the, the best option for you. It's, uh, it's going to have those serious really big pros and the cons are, I admit, very minor in comparison. But uh, like I said, I'm personally choosing it for performance reasons. Okay. The other way, there is a, a second option and this would really kind of mitigate my concerns. This would change my concerns on all fronts and something I'm actually, as I'm talking through this, I'm recognizing I've been really hypocritical here <laughs> because I've taught this many, many times and yet I just don't do it myself. And that is that you can do this manually. You don't have to have Lightroom do it um, automatically. You can. Um, so let me walk through how to do this and why you might want to approach it this way. So the way that you do this, I would say the, the way I would recommend doing this would be incorporating this into your workflow. At the end of processing a shoot, you probably finish with an export step. That's probably the last thing you do. Maybe you get you you filter down to all of your selected photos. You filter down to all the photos you've edited. And even if you've maybe done some exports along the way because you were super excited about a shot and you wanted to share it, maybe you're going to re you're going to but you're going to do like a final export. I think that's how most photographers work. You're going to make a final export of all those images that you've finished and then you're going to share those with your client or share them on social media or whatever the destination is, you're going to go and share those. Before doing that final export step, in the library module, the grid view, which by the way, I just, I like to give the keyboard shortcuts whenever I can, that's hitting the G key. If you just hit the G key, it'll go to the grid view in library. And then you can select the photos that you want to save XMP data for. You just can um, select them all. If you've like filtered in the library module down to the final ones would probably be the best case because you probably don't care what you did on the photos that didn't make the cut that you culled out. You probably don't care about writing the XMP data for those, but you do for the ones that you're finished, the ones that are, are your, your good photos that you actually processed and you worked on. You want all those that written out. So you can select them all and then you press control S on Windows, command S on Mac, and then you can go to, um, um, there's a metadata menu and you go to save metadata to files. So what you're telling Lightroom to do here is on the photos that you've selected in the grid view in the library module, you're asking Lightroom to write out the XMP data just for those photos. And, and it'll take just a few minutes and you can do it. Hopefully, uh, if your workflow is right, this eliminates the other concern I have of possibly corrupting your photo because as you've been editing your photos, hopefully you've got your backups are kind of done. 
You've now got backups to your your second local system, whatever that is, if it's a second hard drive or to a NAS or to a DAS, whatever it might be, you've got a second backup and, and hopefully your cloud backups even had time to go do it because you've been editing your photos. So all of that process that's automated and working, it might've backed up all your photos. And now the danger that might be there of killing, corrupting, causing a problem with your photo um, is less because... Even if it kills it on the main drive, hopefully it's that's not replicated out to every other backup place, which could be the case. And you'd have to be, you know, technically savvy enough to know how to set that up so that it won't be a problem. You'll need like versions essentially, if uh, in order to compensate this in your backup workflow. But hopefully, uh, configured correctly, that could mitigate that too and take away like almost all the cons that I have, which is why I should be and really need to consider adding this as a step in my workflow. Because um, it, it takes away all the cons that make me personally choose to keep XMP off. I could just go do it manually and I pr- I'm going to have to remember. I'm, I Now I will. Now that I've done this episode, <laughs> I'm going to remember that this is important to me. And the next time I go to write out my, uh, do my exports, I'm going to just quickly select those photos, write out XMP and it'll happen in the background. So you don't, it's not like you have to sit there and wait for it to happen. It'll happen in the background, just like the exports happen in the background. And I can just immediately switch over to going and doing my exports, just a tiny little step. I just, I have to remember to do it. And that's a, it's a good way to be able to get kind of all the pros while mitigating or removing some of those cons. All right, final thing. I know this is kind of a long episode already, but there's a couple of lesser known XMP options I wanted to very briefly touch on um, because you're going to see them. If you go into these settings that I've talked about, then you're going to see these checkboxes there. And I wanted to briefly explain what they are. So while you're there, you may have noticed an additional checkbox at the bottom of that same metadata panel that says, write date or time changes into proprietary raw files. And this is the one exception where Lightroom will write a metadata change directly to that raw file. So it won't, it won't make it happen in an XMP sidecar file. It will actually write the change. If you check this checkbox, it will write that change out to the original raw file, which again could be dangerous. Uh, you, you risk the chance you're having Lightroom touch that file. It adds risk that you're going to lose that file. It's going to have a problem in corruption. I'm probably paranoid, but it is a risk. And I just want to make sure that that's really clear to everybody that there's a risk there. But this is that thing where if you go and edit the capture time, there's a feature in there in the library module. You can change the capture time. Like say your, your camera's time was off and you wanted to update it so that it reflects the actual time of the event that you were shooting, the actual date and time, then there's a handy way to be able to do that. And if you have this checkbox checked, it will update it not only in the library in the in the catalog, which is where my default will go, it will also write that new capture time to the original raw file with that checkbox checked. All right, the second one, also there in that same panel, um, you may have noticed that there's something that says include develop settings in metadata inside JPEG, TIFF, PNG, and PSD files. So by default, this is checked. The automatic XMP write is not, but by default, this option is checked. And that's, uh, they're making an assumption. If you want XMP data written out and the file supports XMP data inside the file, like JPEG, TIFF, PNG, and PSD do, then they're assuming that most photographers want it to end up inside that file rather than it being a file next to the photo like happens with raw files. You don't have a choice with raw files. It's always going to do it that way with raw files just to avoid problems with how raw files uh, are read by other programs. So, uh, but with, by default, this checkbox is checked. If you prefer, and like me, this would be another way to remove one of my concerns and why it is I'm turning off XMP. If you prefer to have the little sidecar file created, even for those formats that support XMP data, like JPEG, TIFF, PNG, and PSD, then you can uncheck this box. And now Lightroom won't write the XMP data 
to those files, it'll create a sidecar file, which is probably, that's another option that I need to configure just to reduce my, <laughs> my paranoia about having corruption with my original files. And, uh, and then that takes away a con. So that's, that's a good thing to be aware of, something you can decide. All right, so I hope you have the information you need so that you can make a, make a decision now about XMP and make it a conscious choice because I'd imagine for most of you listeners, it's not something you've even considered yet. You didn't really know that this was a choice to make. You were letting Adobe make it for you, which is fine. Or maybe you did hear from someone along the way, oh, this is an essential setting. You've got to go turn this on. It's really, really important. And because of those pros that I outlined, I agree, it can be super important. It's probably the easiest thing to do to make sure that you have all of your options available to you. It's probably in the end, despite my paranoia, it's probably the safest thing to do is to turn on the automatic XMP writing. I just personally am going to choose not to. And I, I don't know that that's ever going to change because I, I really want Lightroom to stay focused on what I'm doing and not be doing anything else in the background. I just don't see that ever changing. And I, I'm, I'm pr probably never going to be convinced that I want to automatically have XMPU data written, but it's probably the right option for many of you listening. Um, so, but you can need to make your own choice. And now hopefully you have the information you need to be able to make that choice. All right. That's all the time it took forever in this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you stuck through with all of it. And now you can find everything photo taco related at the new home of the podcast over at phototacopodcast.com. We have searchable show notes there. I have super detailed show notes. I've made sure to do that all along the way. And this episode is no different. You'll be able to find very, very detailed show notes. If you couldn't remember how to go change the settings, just go check out the show notes. And there's there's all the information is going to be there. It's all searchable. And uh, you can go find other episodes that way. There's also the Photo Taco listeners Facebook group. So you can just search in Photo Taco for, or sorry, in Facebook for Photo Taco, Taco listeners and be able to go ask to join. You do have to answer a question. You have to name the host or a host of the uh, Master Photography Podcast Network. So it doesn't just have to be me. It could be a other people. It could be Connor or Eric or Brian or Brent, but uh, we have to name a host just to keep the spammers and the robots, the bots out of there. Um, there's other ways to contact the show too. There's Instagram where the account is at Phototaco Podcast. On Twitter, it's just at Phototaco. And you can drop me an email at phototacopodcast at gmail.com. Remember, no question is too basic or too complicated for the show. If I don't know the answer, and I often don't, then I'll, I'll see about bringing an expert guest on the show and we're going to go through it. We're going to attack it just like I attacked XMP today. Phototaco is part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You can find everything about that network over at masterphotographypodcast.com. Together, we want to help you to master your photography. Views expressed on this program by independent host guests and callers do not necessarily reflect their views of improved photography LLC or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links where a permission is earned. Olay!